Diplomas Within would like to thank our sponsors, Union Pacific and Sacramento Natural Foods Co-op, for supporting our podcast. For over 150 years, Union Pacific has been committed to building America and improving the standard of life for millions across the country. Sacramento Natural Foods Co-op maintains programs that strengthen access to healthy foods and partners with countless organizations to help support important issues in our community. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Wellness Within podcast series. My name is Patty Brown. I'm the founder of Wellness Within Cancer Support Services, and today I will be talking with Erin Costa, a certified integrative nutrition health coach. In just a few short months, she will also be a certified nutritional therapy practitioner. Hello, Erin, and thank you so much for being with us today. And you're going to talk about the importance of a macronutrient balance meal and sugar alternative. Is that right? That is right. Thank you for having me, Patty. I'm so happy to be here. Hey, well, can you begin by explaining the importance of a whole food nutrient dense diet? Sure. So um, I realize that this is going to hopefully benefit cancer patients, but I think that this is just important in general for people, especially now, because eating a proportional whole foods diet is so important for your body and your immune system. If you're eating real foods from their natural sources, so, you know, uh, well-sourced meats, vegetables, fruits, nuts, seeds, legumes, you're providing the nutrients that fuel and build every single cell in the body. And these cells in turn make up every tissue and organ in the human body. So you're literally, you are what you eat essentially, or what you absorb. So if you're feeding yourself processed things, that is what is essentially feeding your cells. And our bodies don't recognize that as real food. So you're not really truly fueling your body. Yeah, that's a good point. And it's a really good point when you say, yes, it is for our cancer center. But also, I always find every book I've ever had at the center in a resource library about cancer fighting diet, all those recipes in there are recipes that we can all benefit from eating. It's not just cancer specific. It says, this is healthy eating. That's right. Exactly. And it's so important to also have a variety especially when you were talking about fruits and vegetables, because they all have different types of minerals and phytonutrients that feed our body in different ways. And so that can only help our bodies be stronger and our immune systems be better and our cell health be better in general. Yeah. And so what are macronutrients? So really macronutrients are protein, carbohydrates, and fats, healthy fats. And then water actually is probably considered the most important nutrient for us. And the reason for that is you can go about eight weeks without food, but only days without water. Water is also found in every single tissue in the body. And we, unlike certain vitamins and minerals and fats and things that we can store in the body, water does not store in our bodies. So we, it's vital that we are hydrating regularly every day because statistics have shown that most people are chronically dehydrated. I believe that. Yep. And so going back into the water thing, we also require electrolytes in order for that water to be properly absorbed into our cells. 
And I think people often don't realize that if they're just going to their tap or going to their fridge to fill up their water, that's great, but all that water is just kind of running through us. And if we don't have those electrolytes to help ourselves absorb that water, we're really not truly hydrating our bodies. How do you get the electrolytes? That's a great question. So some of the tips that I like to give people are if you buy a really good sea salt, just like a, a, a nice, not a table salt that's been stripped of its nutrients, but just a really good sea salt, and you just take a little pinch and sprinkle it into your water, that will give you your electrolytes. And you can even do that every single time you fill up your water bottle. Coconut water is a great option. And then there's also a, a little deal you can buy, like at a Whole Foods or a you know Sprouts, and it's called Concentrase Trace Minerals. And it has the same type of effect. And you just put a few drops in your water and it, and it helps your body actually absorb the water. That's incredible. I never heard that before. I never heard about just a sea salt, just a yep. little pinch of sea salt in your water. Yep. Wow. I know. I'm definitely going to start doing that. It's great. And, you, and I have had many people actually tell me they have a noticeable difference. Like they're actually peeing less because their body is actually absorbing the water and they're also feeling more hydrated. They're noticing a difference in their skin and everything. Well, and it's interesting you say that too, because one of the things I've noticed over the years in running the center is that I can tell when people are looking at them, you know, either their lips are really chapped or just their skin that they're hydrated, the not hydrated, excuse me. And I always find it interesting because I'm always saying, hey, can I get you some water? Mm -hmm. You know, because it's just so clear to me that they're not hydrating. And so I think it's really great to be able to add in the electrolytes. I had a story once, this was several years ago, someone came in and said, oh, I was talking to my somebody, not an officer physician, somebody in the medical community. And they told me that I should just take Gatorade. And I almost fell over. I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> Nothing against Gatorade. But you know, when you're going to chemo and all that, like, Gatorade's really not what you want to take. That's right. So this is really great information to be able to tell people just a pinch of sea salt in the water would be perfect. That's great. Yeah. And it's a really simple and cost-effective way to get those electrolytes because I think people have this idea that they need to buy like noon tablets or buy Gatorade, something that's filled with other additives that we don't need. And salt kind of gets a bad rap. And I think part of that is because many of our table salts are stripped of their nutrients and there's a lot of bleaches and it's like caking agents to make it kind of thick. And so they don't have any nutritional value. But if you're buying a really good, just a sea salt or like a volcanic rock salt, all of those are just natural from the ground. So they still have all those great minerals and electrolytes. And so that's all you really need. Wow. That's incredible. So water, 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 hydrate, hydrate, hydrate. And I think yeah, people get sick of hearing it, but it's really important. Well, and I think too, people sometimes think, ugh, water's boring, which Okay, yeah, it's not, you know, not everybody is loves to drink water, but you can make it more exciting. You can put, you know, lemons and limes in there, or you can even put fruits and cucumbers. So you can kind of infuse your water with produce, which also will give it a little bit of stuff, like good nutrients from the produce, and then you're making a little more fun. Yeah, that's true. I hadn't thought about that. I remember when I first had cute water that had cucumbers in it, I first I was like, oh, okay. But it was good. It was refreshing. Yes. I thought this is nice. I know. Well, okay. So what's an example of a macronutrient balanced diet? Yeah. So back to the macronutrients and the importance of having that balance. So every person's body is different. 
that's why we call it bioindividuality. So what is best for you is, is may not work for my body. So sometimes it's really important for people to kind of tinker around with that. Some people don't need as many carbohydrates. So that fruits and vegetables are the best option for adding carbohydrate to your diet. And then some people require more protein than others. Some require a little bit more healthy fat than others. So you kind of have to play with your own body. But I think it's best to think of it as like the more vegetables you have, the better. You can never overdo it on vegetables. They're just so great for you always. And I think that just making sure that basically what I try to tell people is for every meal, breakfast, lunch, or dinner, you try to have a little bit of protein, a little bit of healthy fats, and a little bit of carbohydrate. And by healthy fat, you want a variety of that too. So when I say that, I'm talking about like extra virgin olive oil. Coconut oil is a great one. You don't need much, but just a little bit. Nut butters, ghee, pasture-raised butter. Even some, you know, if you can find a really good rendered bacon fat or duck fat, a little bit of that is so, so good. And to have a variety of different types of fats is also really beneficial for the layering around your cells. Yeah, fats gets a bad rap and people understand how good fats are good for you. Exactly. So can you give an example? Like, Because uh, breakfast is, seems to be always hard for a lot of people. What would be an example of like, okay, here, here's an example of including all those elements in a breakfast. Sure. So some of my favorite things to do is I'll add, I render my own bacon fat just because I love the taste, but I'll just put a tiny little dollop in the pan and I have my pasture raised eggs and I will either scramble them or hard boil them with a little bit of salt and pepper. And then I like to put them over or maybe throw some sauteed mushrooms and onion in there and then have a little side of strawberries, fresh, you know, farmer's market strawberries and maybe a piece of sourdough toast. And so you're getting a little bit of carbohydrate in your fruit and your toast. You're getting a little butter on your your bread and a little bit of bacon fat for your fat. And then you're getting your egg protein there. That sounds great. Now, I, I do have a question and I'm not prepared for this one, but bread is something that's really interesting because there's so many diets out there that are anti-bread. Yes. And I tend to get my bread at local places that the farmer's market I think we've run into each other before at the farmer's market at, yeah. <laughs> at the bread place. Um, but it is, to me, it seems like, no, I mean, that, I mean, there's an expense and not everybody has the luxury of getting fresh baked bread from a local bakery or bread maker in town. But is there a way you can sort of get bread that still has healthy, you know, if you're going to the market and you don't get, aren't able to get the fresh loaf of of whole grain bread or sourdough bread or whatever. Is there other kinds of breads out there that you would say that could work? You know, bread, it's all individual. So some people are more sensitive to breads and glutens and it's more of an inflammatory, they have more of an inflammatory response to it. I think sourdough is the best option just because it's, it's kind of a probiotic in itself. And during the process of making it, a lot of the gluten is actually eaten up and so it's not as gluten heavy. And so as a bread, even if, if you're celiac or something, obviously that's not an option for you. But mm-hmm. if you just have like a gluten sensitivity, oftentimes people like that can handle sourdough just because it's not so gluten heavy. Another thing that I love to do when I'm just not in the mood for bread, but I want something a little bit more starchy carbohydrate, I'll just slice up some sweet potatoes into like discs almost 
and I'll roast them in the oven with a little bit of olive oil and salt and pepper. And you can put some avocado on that with some everything bagel seasoning or lemon pepper. And it's just delicious. And it still kind of gives you that dense bready vibe without the bread. That sounds awesome. And I think it is a mental thing, you know, for, for a lot of people too, you know, so I think is you have to really work with your own psychology and relationship with food around all this. Exactly. And it's really important to just pay attention to your body because I think oftentimes we're looking outward for answers and diets and all this stuff. But if you eat something and it makes you feel good, then eat it again. But if you're eating something and you're really paying attention and your body doesn't feel good, then that's not a food for you. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I always, and I'm not a nutritionist, I don't have your credentials, but I always notice when people, when they get diagnosed with cancer, especially if their taste buds are all messed up from chemo or whatever, and they want to, they're so fearful because food can equal fear for a lot of people when they get a cancer diagnosis. It's like, I can't, I'm not allowed to eat that. And, I'll eat and I know we're going to talk about sugar in a little bit here, but I think it's really interesting to give people permission to say, but we'll just listen and see what really tastes good, mm-hmm. you know, what feels right, and really check in with your body. And it's, it's really hard. It's like the art of really tuning in and listening to ourselves. Yeah, we've kind of lost our way with that innate wisdom. And I can, as a, as a nutritional therapy practitioner, my hope is to guide you to figure out what's best for your body because I don't know what's best for your body. You do. And so it's, it's more of just reminding yourself that you have that innate wisdom and you can sense what feels good for you and what gives you the best energy or what makes you feel fatigued or not so great. And to really tune into that and trust yourself. Yeah, because there's so much information about diet and nutrition and fat and diet fads and all that and what you should do and shouldn't do. It's really overwhelming and confusing for a lot of people. Yes, it is. It's so, I mean, it even happens to me. I mean, you just get completely bombarded. And so you have to kind of step away from it at some point. And yeah, I agree. So, okay, let's move on to what are, are the four keys to sourcing real food? So one of the things I love about the idea of this is sometimes people are on a budget. So not everyone can buy all the organic or all the pasture raised or the hundred percent grass fed beef or anything. But if you can, what I try to tell people is variety, as I mentioned earlier, is so important. And the way you can do that is try to shop seasonally. So I actually, there's a website that you can, I think it's just the USDA website that'll give you like a list of what's in season for the summer. So let's just say, and so it'll list all these fruits and vegetables that are currently in season. And when a food is in season, they're typically less expensive because there's more of it and it's being farmed in the time it's supposed to be. So it's like it every synergistically, it all works out with the soil and the weather and everything. So if you can get that variety and make it seasonally, that's just fantastic because you're getting the things that are growing at that time. Also, if you can find local farmers, to support, that's great too, because it's, you know, in your region. And so it makes sense that you would be eating it. And then back to quality. So as I said, not everybody can always afford to buy top-notch things, but some of the rules of thumb, if you can, are to try to buy mostly organic. And if that means that you just follow the dirty dozen rule, then there's a list that you can look up online called the dirty dozen produce. And it'll tell you the 12 items of produce that are the most pesticide laden. And if you can just buy those organically, you're doing better than most people. And so that would, that's a great start for produce. 
And then in terms of meat, if you can buy wild caught fish, try to buy 100% grass fed or finished beef, free range or pasture raised chicken, things like that. If you can try to do that as often as you can, that's going to be your best bet for the most optimal nutrients and least amount of like antibiotics and additives and all that. If you have a farmer's, most places you'll have a farmer's market near you at least, that's going to be your best bet for the variety, the seasonal produce, hitting it local and good quality because most farmer's markets are really vet that um, out of their farmers. So if you have access to that, that would be optimal. And if not is, you know, because I know I don't want to say stores names, but Trader Joe's is one that a lot of people go to because they could be more inexpensive and things could be more affordable there and their things are packaged from everywhere. Is there any hints for people if they get into that situation where they're at a, like a Trader Joe's or something like that, anything they need to be mindful of? I was going to actually go into this. So this is a good little segue, some tips that I can provide for smarter grocery store shopping. Mm. So you'll now notice this once I say it, but grocery stores, if you notice, are set up so that all of the fresh things are around the perimeter. So the produce, the meats, the dairy, all that's most of the fresh non-processed package things most are on the perimeter and when you get into the belly of the store is when you're getting into the packaged and the processed so if you can stay along the perimeter as much as possible you're already doing better than a lot of people if you don't have access to like a farmer's market or you're kind of in one of those food deserts that there's very minimal option i think as long as you can find a good variety of produce in general and try to switch it up weekly, that's a great start. And as I said earlier, with the look up that dirty dozen list, and if you can at least find those things organic most of the time, then that's a great start as well. That's great. Yeah. Shop the perimeter. Yes. One other real, real quick tip, Patty, is also I always recommend if you're buying something on the perimeter, even if it's like a packaged meat, really take the time to read a label because you'd be so surprised at how often they sneak sugar in there or some type of additive that is really not needed. I've even found when my husband and I were looking for a new type of bacon, every single bacon we were looking at had sugar somewhere in there. And it's just crazy. So another thing I can recommend is really look at the labels. And I've even asked my butcher at the, you know, when I'm buying some meat, you know, did you use sugar in this rub or whatever and they'll tell you and so oh, I never thought afraid. about asking that that's great yeah, but don't be afraid to ask I mean you, that's your right you're buying it and putting it in your yeah. body so you have a right to know what's in it yeah yeah absolutely okay so now that we're touching on sugar for those that are trying to stay away from refined sugar but want to enjoy a treat every once in a while what are some more natural sweetener options that you might recommend for us yeah, so I we all know that sugar is not great for our body, especially refined sugar. And it's obviously particularly a no-no when you have cancer because it's so inflammatory and basically feeds cancer and bad gut bacteria, which all do terrible things to our immune system and all that. But at the same time, everybody wants a treat every now and then, <laughs> more than fruit. So some of the things that I do in my house when I'm, when I'm making cookies or something for the boys is I often will use 100% dark maple syrup. Mm. It's 
Illa sugar. So all of these options that I'm giving you, keep in mind that they are all still sugars. So we don't want to overdo it with them, but they're just more natural sources. And actually, because they're not refined and stripped of nutrients, they actually do have some beneficial vitamins and minerals in them. So I will often cook with maple syrup. I also will find local honey because local honey is your best option. It's great for even allergies sometimes, and it has so many good health benefits. Sometimes I'll put it on my oatmeal in the morning, just a little bit, you know, and so obviously you don't need a lot, but it's a better alternative than refined sugar. Another thing that I have used often is I will soak a couple of dates, the fruits, they're little dates. Yeah. And you take the pit out and you just soak them in hot water for a little bit. And then they will blend really easily to make like a sauce or a marinade. I've even made like my own teriyaki sauce using dates. And it tastes delicious, but you're just using, using the natural sugars from the fruit. How long do you let it sit in the water for? Like five to 10 minutes. Really? Yep. And then it'll blend really nicely in your food processor. Wow, that's so awesome. Yeah. I love dates. I, I, I know, and they're so great. They're so, you know, they're high in sugar, but they, it's natural sugar and it, they have so many health benefits otherwise that it's oh a better goodness, option. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Wow, that's really incredible. Yeah, I think I always have this conversation when people, we talk about different recipes and I, actually it just happened recently is um, someone had said, do you have any white sugar? And I said, no, I don't how can you not have white sugar? And I said, I haven't had white sugar in my house in years. And uh, well, look, I said, but I do have, I have monk fruit. You yeah, know? that's another great one. And they're like, what the heck is monk fruit? You know, it's like, you know, you just, and I, I feel like you get used to using things that have, even though it's still sugar, but it's more nutrient dense mm-hmm. than the other stuff. It still tastes really yummy. It's still good. You don't give up taste. I don't feel. no. And even my little, I have two little boys, six and four, and I mean, they've had refined sugar, let's be real, but I also don't have it in my house. So I cook with the ones I listed. Also blackstrap molasses is packed with great nutrients and they love the things that I cook with those alternatives and they don't know any difference. So you can still achieve satisfying that sweet tooth with something that's a little bit more nutrient dense and not so, so it's not going to spike your glycemic index as, as severely. Yeah. Well, what, what's your take on uh, coconut sugar? I use coconut sugar as well, just because it is a more natural source. It, uh, again, as I've said with all of these, it is still high in sugar. I mean, it's still sugar. So again, you don't want to overdo it, but mm-hmm. it's a great alternative to refined sugar. That's awesome. I'm always trying to figure out when I look up in my cabinet, like, okay, I got monk fruit, I got coconut sugar. I do have blackstrap molasses, local honey, but I never, you know what? I don't always get dark maple syrup. Mm-hmm. Is that like a grade B or is that, is it just called, it's not amber. So it's just dark or how is that no, labeled? The, it is the amber. It's the. Oh, it is the amber. Yeah. Okay. That's what I, I use anyway. Okay. All right. So we don't have to give up our sweet tooth. No. Yeah. And I think I, I really do think this is obviously for our community of people dealing with cancer and the caregivers, but also in general, it's like you don't want to be robbed of everything. And when you have a cancer diagnosis, and I know you know this just from your own personal experience with having people have had cancer, it's just 
you're robbed of so much when you're going through treatments and going through cancer. It's like, don't neglect yourself of something really yummy when, you know, everything else has been bland and it would taste really nice to have a treat, you know. Food is joyful and delicious and it brings people together and it's such a loving thing and it should be enjoyed. And so you shouldn't have to feel like you can't enjoy it. You just want to make better choices when you do because it's good to think about that you're literally feeding your cells. And so you want to make the best choices that you can to do that, but it can still be delicious. Yeah, I agree. Do you have a favorite recipe before we end here? A favorite recipe for your sweet tooth? Ooh, well, my latest one, I've been doing making these apple oatmeal pancakes. Ooh. And yeah, so you use oat oats. I just buy the regular sprouted oats and you grind them up with applesauce and a few other things. And I can actually give you the recipe if you want to post it somewhere. That would be awesome. I think our viewers would love that. Oh my gosh. They are so, so delicious. And it's just a little bit of maple syrup in there. And oh man, I could eat the whole stack. (laughs) I I really do think our listeners would love to have that. And we can post it on our blog when we uh, let everybody know about listening to this podcast. That'd be awesome. Yeah. I'd love to share. Really yummy. Well, this has been very interesting, and I know this is just the beginning of uh, our time together. We're going to tell people, kind of give it a little teaser, you know, maybe uh, in the fall sometime, we'll have you back, and you can give us a whole lot more deeper dive of information on topics that we all need to hear, whether you're dealing with cancer or not, to improve our diet and to really nourish ourselves in better ways. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Erin. It was great talking to you. Thank you so much for having me. All right, folks. Again, that was Erin Costa, and she is a certified integrative nutrition health coach and soon to be a certified nutritional therapy practitioner. We will have Erin back here sometime this fall for really more wonderful conversation around food and the benefits of all the wonderful choices that we can make to enjoy food, like said, like Erin said, so that it's joyful. All right. Take care, everyone. And we'll see you back here on the Wellness Within podcast in some future time. Take it easy. Bye-bye.